Welcome to another live recording of the Business Travel 360 Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you're talking about on LinkedIn. My name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO at Agentivity, where we have a vision that any TMC should be data empowered. You can read about just how we make that possible at agentivity.com. Hello, guys. I am Mohit. I am one of the regular listeners of this amazing live show, and I am also working as a PM for flight supply here at ticket.com in Jakarta. I'll be standing in for Anne, uh, but those are some very big shoes for me to fill. So please bear with me. She'll be back next week. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in under 15 minutes. I'm also the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. Mohit, thank you so much uh, in advance for standing in. It's very nice of you to do that. So you're helping us out. So uh, thank you so much. For those new to this event, welcome. Thank you for giving us your time. The format of this discussion evolves around a post I do on a weekly basis where I summarize the week's news and then we discuss them a bit more in detail here. So last week was week seven already and my first story started off with a bit of a funny one. It seems there was a bit of red tape and some fairly extraordinary regulations in play by the FAA in the US where they've grounded United Airlines' new Airbus A321neos because the no smoking sign could not be turned off. It was permanently on. Now, to be fair, I did read a bit of a follow-up about this. Grounding was actually only five hours or something like that, so it wasn't that bad. But there was something else that was very interesting for me about this one. Ash, I wonder if you picked up on it, that Frontier and Allegiant have been flying with the same aircraft with that same sign staying on all the time and they haven't filed the paperwork with the FA, but they've been flying. So how does that work? There are so many levels to that conversation right there. It's unbelievable. First of all, you have a legitimate frontier in the conversation, which already cracks me up. Yeah, and I think that this is just uh, the nature of the FAA. You know, the FAA is a very interesting body. They tend to be very cozy, certain people, and not so cozy with others. Why are airlines still making non-smoking signs on planes? Is that not already known that that's the case? Here in Europe, I've been seeing signs where it's seatbelt and uh, no cellular. You know, your electronic devices needs to be off. So I've seen planes with, with not even the no smoking sign because as you point out, <laughs> what's the point, right? It, it's uh, not possible. And so, why do you have to turn it off? Because doesn't yes. you, by turning it off, are you not saying that it's okay to now smoke? Very, very weird. I think, uh, you know, I find it really extraordinary that we face so many bigger problems in supply chain and shortage of planes and, you know, and this this happens. So I'm glad it was a five-hour stint and hopefully passengers were not impacted. That's, you know, uh, something I really care for. Well, now we know that when the sign goes off, we can pull out a cigarette and start smoking like the good old days. But you're right, Mohit, in the current day and age where there's loads of other problems, you'd think this one would be uh, would be fine to let go. So there we go. Absolutely. My next story is getting back to my list. Two, in fact, by Dennis Skoll at Schiff. If you don't follow Dennis, uh, he's a great um, journalist in our industry, and you should. Uh, he's rewrote two posts which uh, triggered my interest. One was about the losses incurred by Expedia when they sold the sale of Egencia to American Express Global Business Travel. You know, if you do read the article, it's actually not as much the loss. It was actually the overstatement of value at the beginning, right, Ash? I mean, it wasn't so much that they incurred uh, major losses. It was just that they overpriced it right at the start. That is the case. They valued it at like almost a billion dollars, which is a pretty extraordinary value considering it was just right after the pandemic as well, right? Of course, Expedia recognized all these losses over the last couple of years. 
this post from dennis generated quite uh, the interest i must say and there were both sides of views being shared i think this is just short term thing for swedia long term benefit because you could read in that article you know 10 year lodging supply agreement should end up on the positive side only for them yeah absolutely and then the second story from dennis which caught my interest was just uh, ash your favorite company airbnb's latest profits or earnings report they reported uh, an additional 5 plus million hosts 7.7 million additional listings and despite all of that they've also incurred that tax loss which we talked about before on here they had a 349 million dollar tax settlement issue in italy but still very strong results so curious to hear what your thoughts are on this one ash good numbers right personally i'm not a airbnb fan but uh, nonetheless i see the market definitely is so that's great news I, i'll share another aspect of the story which has to do with new york city actually if you remember back in december there was a big new york city crackdown on airbnb properties and as a result of that uh, the actual december occupancy of the new york city hotels were at the highest occupancy level according to str so the other flip side of airbnb is that it drives down the traditional hotel value and the pricing of the these hotels but when you start to see that the governmental institutions in New York City started to uh, deploy rules around Airbnb and of course that drove the number of Airbnb properties down in New York which rose the average price for hotels as you're right it was actually discussed on this show last year it was law 18 that was introduced in uh, New York City this did, you know resulted in a lot of Airbnbs going off the shelf So this article you know adding a million active listing is actually a great achievement i think in the post it was mentioned does it end the supply debate i think no because you know there are concentrated areas where this uh, demand and supply gap could have been met you know time will tell uh, if the double digit growth led to some profit but i'm super optimistic about airbnb i love them personally and you know they're one of the best product led travel tech platforms in the world right now Yeah, some strong statements there, Mohit. Wow, I wasn't aware that you <laughs> liked them that much. Keeping up with the trend in Africa, where African countries are starting to open up their visa restrictions. Last year, or the beginning of this year, it was Kenya. It seems Malawi has followed to a degree. They've not gone global with with every country being lifted, but they've lifted restrictions for seventy nine countries. We're quite positive about these. We like these here at Linking the Travel Industry because they open up more travel to and from those markets. So, good story there altogether. You know, anytime you make the restrictions easier for travelers, you should see a follow through with travel. So hopefully, they experience that. Indeed, quick quiz, Ash. What's the capital of Malawi? <laughs> Wait, do you know? <laughs> uh, no, 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 I, no idea. Okay. Lilongwe. Oh wow! I would have never no, guessed no. that. Next story in my list is about a, a VC fund in Europe, TravelTech.vc. They've announced their second fund that they want to aim specifically at European travel tech startups, and they hope to raise 50 million euros to back that fund. The story was on Focuswire. I'm not sure what to make of the story. I have to say, when I read it, I thought, okay, they've announced a fund and they're seeking tech startups. But what are they doing now? Is they've announced the fund and they're going to seek funding for it first? So is that how you read it as well, Ash? I mean, either way, right? The point of the story, I think, you know, the reason why I liked it a lot was because you see a cluster of funds being created, which is definitely exciting for those that are looking. And I think that the whole point of this is to kind of jumpstart the technology aspect of the European startups, right? So this is this is definitely a good move. And I know on the show we've talked so much about you know the lack of technology in some cases in the European market. So this to me spells great news for the airlines, for the hotel companies, and really the 
consumers and, and the corporations that are going to be using some of these technologies. So is 50 million enough? Probably not. But at the same time, I definitely think that this is a good start. And I think these are the kind of things that will help create new possibilities. And so for me, this is a super exciting story and definitely something that we can follow up with uh, as time goes on. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much opportunity, right, for improvement in our industry as well. And it's also good to see that these this, the traveltech.vc is actually backed by some fairly serious industry veterans, you know, from the likes of yes. you know, Expedia, Google, Meta, and so on. So, yeah. The very, names behind it are definitely big pocket people. So maybe this becomes 100 million, maybe it becomes, you know, 1 billion. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Very cool. So um, before we go on, I just want to turn to the audience to say thank you so much for giving us your time today and explain a little bit about linking the travel industry. If you're new here, our absolute mission here is to make sure as many of us are connected to one another as possible. So if you haven't gone through the list, people in the audience and connected to as many of them as you can, I would seriously encourage you to do so. We're all here to be connected to one another and I'm sure all the outbound requests that you send will be accepted. Uh, We also have an individual each week which we select as our link of the week. So our link of the week is Martha Mahoney. Martha, thank you for joining us and thank you for giving us your time. It's wonderful to see people from both sides of the buying chain here. So welcome and thank you very much for joining today. And uh, your profile looks fascinating and I would encourage others to connect to Martha and uh, Martha, well, well done for being our link of the week. Back to my stories. We have more virtual payment card news, which is really nice. Uh, we seem to be on a roll with that topic. Uh, we've had three or two or three news stories about that in a row now, um, recently with Revolut and a few others. And uh, last week, we saw that MasterCard improved its ties with Booking.com to, in their words, accelerate the use of virtual card payments, especially in B2B payments. Uh, we do love this. And uh, this was a great post. We're curious to hear what you make of this, Ash. I mean, it's just very positive, right? So ever since that Revolut story, I feel like all the big shots uh, in the card business were like, wait, what about that project we were working on? And uh, how come nothing happened with that project? And some executives got in the room and then they started calling their people and, oh, you know, so-and-so didn't finish up or whatever. We got to get the press release out. Because when I read this news, I'm sorry to say, it sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo. I know we got two big brands here, MasterCard and Booking.com, and I'm not throwing shade at them by any means in this comments that I'm making. But when I looked at the details of what they were trying to achieve, other than a whole bunch of industry words and press release words and things that were sounding good, I didn't see anything new here. And I would expect that when you're Booking.com and you're MasterCard, that you actually would come up with something creative, innovative, amazing, and awesome. But I saw nothing of that sort here. So I'm kind of feeling like there was some push that occurred for this thing to go out without really... I mean, removing the travel friction for travelers and partners, it doesn't really sound really that amazing to me um, in 2020. You took the wind right out of my story there. I was so excited. <laughs> just, to be fair, this is old news in many of the African markets we operate in where virtual card is just the default, right? There's just no question. Yes. You won't be using your actual card there. It's, there's a lot of virtual card use there. So, yeah. Okay. Mohit, are you equally <laughs> negative about the story? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, uh, that's an interesting perspective that Ash has shared. Uh, you know, so say after the Sabre and Revolut uh, last week, this week we have this story. I think VCC space is getting a lot of attention, as you could see in the article itself. Uh, 30x less chances of fraud. You know, the attempts for which are uh, at an all-time high with Fraudster even trying to get into loyalty points these days that we were discussing earlier. So I think both parties will be- definitely benefit from this for sure. And, you know, this is a match of giants, definitely. So, you know, I, I would go with Dash. You know, we expect something better from them. 
strong rumors are emerging about a deal between two Canadian airlines, Flair Airlines and Lynx. Um, started to emerge. I don't know whether that progressed over the weekend or there's any further news about it, but that's what I read last week. Mohit, what are your thoughts on this one? So I think Flair have been in the news. Uh, I don't know if it's still a rumor or something, uh, but I, I think only time will tell. The post is really interesting because it kind of touches on something I repeat on the show quite often, which is that Mike here, in, in the best way he can, is kind of saying that two plus two equals four, and that will never change. But you know, two plus two sometimes does equal one in the case of mergers and acquisitions. And I think that the point I'm going to make is that anytime two things come together, it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be bigger and stronger and better. There's a lot of aspects to this. And with these two different brands, I think that the merger, if it does occur, does not yield the results of two plus two equals four, but more so probably negative one, not even a positive number, because these two companies have different mindsets. They have different backgrounds. And to merge two companies to have it successful, you need one to be stronger or both to have a very similar view on the industry. So I think that uh, you're not going to get the same outcome. And really, the Canadian airlines have struggled and they continue to struggle because of all the regulations that are put on them that limit their ability to grow. So until those things change, I think we'll always see Canada as a two airline market, maybe three, but I don't think it grows any further than that. Because this seems to be a weekly occurrence now as well. And we actually joked about it last time that uh, who will be the Ryanair OTA partner of the week. And last week it turned out to be TUI. So TUI announced that they will be powered by Ryanair apparently for their flight packages. And it, the rumors are that they didn't have to pay as much as the other guys did for that. But we won't know the details. And so um, that is the Ryanair partner of the week. Yeah, I think we can can not not talk about Ryanair each week. <laughs> From the recent developments, you know, post the scraping uh, era is behind us. Uh, Ryanair seems to be working very hard to make up for that loss, announcing partnerships after partnerships. I think the trend that's emerging here for me is mostly that they seem to be more inclined towards uh, their flights bundled with packages, which is quite interesting. I do want to give a shout out to Clive Rutten of the BTA, who, who keeps posting about the fact that he really wants to have an audience with Ryanair to talk to them about the corporate uh, TMC, you know, Angle and Ryanair. And um, it's not happening. They're not responding to him at all. So um, we'll keep promoting his calls there as well for him. And then I've added a new thing to my weekly posting. I don't know if talk, we don't need to talk about it, but if you if you do follow me, you'll see this in my weekly roundup I do on a Friday. I've just going to add the job of the week. And last week I saw a nice job by Corporate Travel CTM in Australia, and they're looking for a data engineer in Brisbane. I might be a bit biased with that choice of job there, but it looked like a nice <laughs> job. <laughs> That's a nice touch, Rian. I, I when I saw that I was like, huh, this is a nice thing yes. to add to the weekly roundup. The pick for this week is also down under. So maybe that's telling me something about I mean that was a nice job it was you know, based in Brisbane what's not to love about that and you know it's it's nice so those were the stories on my list uh, I do have one extra story maybe two because Ash you didn't reply to my question to you about that so let's yeah see. go ahead you you take it I got another one okay I got fine. a feel good story that we'll conclude with maybe so I've got two stories one was very funny for me which was about the Air Canada chatbot that 
you know, in quotes, misled someone. It's, it's probably not fair to say that, but the person asked for certain rules about, you know, the fair, and they were given, you know, surprise, surprise, the wrong answer. And of course, when they wanted to pursue the matter and do some sort of refund, it was, you know, they were told then, you know, this fair didn't carry that. And of course, they, they kept screenshots of the conversation with Air Canada's chatbot, and they were now ruled that they have to pay this person the, the difference or settle this issue, etc. I do find it a bit funny because this is, you know, what agents struggle with every day, you know, understanding all the mumble jumble of uh, airline fares. And so for the airline's own chatbot to not understand that was quite funny to me. Of course, they've now said the issue has been fixed. Um, did you see that story, Ash? I did. And much like you, I, I started laughing really hard <laughs> because you're absolutely right. Entire background of these airline fares is just so intensely crazy. <laughs> I think you need like super, super AI to figure it out. Yes. But the thing that was interesting about this is how Air Canada distanced themselves correct. from the chatbot, from the uh, chatbot. By, saying, by saying it's a third-party created <laughs> application and therefore we don't really you know, control what it, what it says and we're not really responsible for anything it says. And I was happy to see that the Canadian courts actually said, no, wait a minute, it's yeah. on your website. Yes. You are promoting it as a way for people to get answers. So yes, you are responsible, Absolutely. even though it's run by third party, right? Yeah. So so to me, that that's, that's the presence. And this kind of is very similar to a story that you talked about last year, Rian, from your really? experiences, where there was a hotel that yes. was that was booked through yes. an airline website. Yes. And the airline very quickly dismissed their Absolutely. relationship with that, even though their name and branding and everything yes. was there. So I wonder if this court case can be used in your scenario. Oh, interesting. No, there's no way because the, the, <laughs> the airlines that I was approaching were giants and they would never listen to me. But yeah, that's a good angle. It's, it's interesting. Well, you can, you can cite the case. You can cite the case in your I, defense. I could say, and my lawyer is us. There we go. <laughs> okay. And then my second story, I'm going to turn that into a quick quiz. Um, if that's okay, you need to be ready. Unmute yourself. A story, Fly Dubai expanded its European networks last week with four new destinations they were announcing. So I'm going to say the city and one of you will have to say the country. So the first oh, new boy. destination is Basel. Okay, if, I'm done. <laughs> but Basel in Switzerland. And the second new destination is Riga. Which country is that in? <laughs> in Latvia. And then the third new destination is Tallinn. I don't even know these names. I've never okay. heard these names in my yeah. entire life. Like you're just an, making, I think you're making city names up right Estonia. now. It's in Estonia. And then the fourth new destination, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but I think I am, Vilnius. No, you set this up really nicely. In Lithuania. Yeah. So this was actually quite big news. I mean, I'm making a bit of fun here, but this was really big news. Um, for Fly Dubai <laughs> to be expanding to those, you know, fairly major European destinations is big news. And uh, the uh -huh. post around it did generate quite a lot of discussion. And, you know, you would have been stumped if Anne was on the show today. So Clearly, we will not be flying Fly Dubai anytime soon because none of those <laughs> cities are places that we even though it exists oh. on the map, so therefore probably won't be going. Tallinn, probably won't be going. Tallinn, Estonia is a fantastic destination. Riga and Latvia is amazing. You would love these places, Ash. Really. Oh my good. goodness. Okay, those oh my were my extra stories. Ash, any from your side? I have a feel-good story, Rian, today, oh, really? uh, which is nice. So this is Delta Airlines uh, in the news. Uh, I don't know if you caught this one, uh, but they actually paid out $1.4 billion, with a B, billion dollars, in profit sharing this year. The Delta employees received $1.4 billion in profit sharing on February 14th. Very good date to pick by the airline. And it was double what they were paying out the airlines last year. So think about that. So 100,000 Delta Airlines employees received a 10% 
of their annual salary or more than a month's pay. And this is all their employees who are receiving a thank you from the airline saying, hey, we did great. Uh, here's 10% of your annual salary uh, or a month's pay in your bank account. Thank you for being uh, with Delta. So this is amazing. I thought this was a great story. And uh, the last time they paid something similar was back in 2019, uh, where they paid $1.6 billion. So not much of a difference between $1.6 and $1.4. Of course, the difference here is the fact that we had 2020 and 2021, which was a difficult year for the airline. But Delta seems to be back on track. I, I saw this and I absolutely love the story. It is just so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that one. Feel good story. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that's bringing us to the end of today's session. So, Mohit, you've been a star. So, thank you so much for standing in for yes, and we really appreciate Thanks for that. Having me. And well done to Martha for being our link of the week and for everybody else attending. We do this weekly, but a quick exit and thank you to you, Mohit. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, and we'll be back next week. So, looking forward <laughs> to that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Mohit. Um, and of course, thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please share this event with others that you know. Chances are high that if you enjoyed today's session, others that you know will as well. And if you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, we make the session available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.